are listening to an Atomic Broadcasting production. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the feature presentation. And remember, do your part, such as like, comment, rate, and don't forget to tell a friend to tune in for an Atomic Time. We begin in darkness. At first, things are hazy, but you know that you are dry, warm, and comfortable, so you've had it worse. Slowly, you open your eyes to find yourself in a dimly lit hovel, made of mud daub and woven sticks, you think. You move to get up, only to feel a sharp pain in your head. Be careful, a woman's voice says, sounding through the pain both close and distant. You are yet gravely wounded. Uh, uh, forgive me. I, I I don't remember much about this place. Where? What happened? You're safe. That's all you need know for now. And you feel a hand with a wet cloth dabbing at your forehead. Sven, who do we see lying in this bed? You see a dwarf. He is covered with a cloak that is actually more common with the rangers, or ranger type. Dark green to melded with the forest colors. You see brown gloves over large hands. But one thing that's unique is you see long gray beard, smartly braided with long gray elderly hair falling down the shoulders. He is old, but for some reason, he has that spark of spry, albeit pained at the moment. There's still a glint of life. His movements do betray an old man. And as we see him lying in the bed, is there anything particularly of note about his skin? If you can catch a glimpse over the robes and whatnot, you see scars carved into shapes, not cut, but seemingly engraved all up and down his arms and even somewhat up into his face. Hideous at first until you look and see that there is more precision there than grotesqueness. Mm. And as this strange woman is like dabbing at your forehead you feel yourself fall back into like a restless sleep that sort of like fevered sleep when you're not feeling well where you're not sure if you're awake or not and after a little bit you realize that you've woken again how long ago it was you don't know but now the woman's at the other side of this hut and she's stirring something in a cauldron over the fire uh, forgive me miss Ah. I, I, I do not even know your name, and I am staying underneath your hovel. My name is Idis, she says, turning around with a bowl of stew. Idis, I thank you. I am... Uh, my name, my name is Uver Sturkvind, and I am most grateful. Could you tell me what happened? 
course. I found you in the woods. You seem to have been waylaid by some highwaymen or some sort, uh, beaten and stripped of your possessions. My possessions? Oh, my books. Do, it was there. Do I have a pack? Did I have a pack with me? Well, let, let me check and see if they're there. And she sets the bowl of stew down on the bedside table. She goes to a small pack that you recognize as yours over by the door. And she begins fishing through and begins pulling out book after book after book after book. Oh, good. Oh, good, good, good. My notes, my notes. They didn't take anything important in. Oh, I had imagined that you'd probably had more traveling through these woods. No, no, no. I am but a simple man. I am a seeker of truth. As she mentions you traveling through the woods, something strikes you as odd about that, because the last thing you remember is reading in a library in the nearby city of Joel. Wait, you said... You said books. You, you said... No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. You said... Uh, oh, my head. You said I was traveling through the woods, yes? Uh, yes, I found you on the road, not far from my hut. I do not remember... Oh, my head. I do not remember traveling in the woods. I was... I was in Joel. I, 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 I think. I think I was in Joel. Where are we... In, in relation, what what town are we near? She kind of laughs a little bit and is like, No town, good master. We are in the middle of the Rungir Forest. The Rungir Forest? Now, would you make me a nature or society check? Your choice. Eight. Eight on what? Eight on a four. Uh, sorry, on, a, on what check? Oh, uh, society. On a society check. Okay, so you know of the Grungir Forest. Um, you've definitely heard myths, rumors, and legends about the Grungir Forest. Way more than could actually be true about any location. And with a seven, you're not sure which of them are reasonable and which of them are just tall tales. But... To put it simply, you've heard stories of fey villages scattered throughout, rips in the fabric of reality where one could fall into the first world, and even trees that would walk and talk if someone got too close with an axe. I have heard stories of this place. Oh, many, many tales. But I do not... Recall many people living here, or who, or what villages or towns or around here. Tell me, tell me, uh, uh, what are what are some things that you know of this place? Tell me about this place, and and you, if you do not mind. Well, there's not much to tell about me. I'm a humble hermit, and as she sits down next to you, you can see she is a blonde woman with a strong nose. And she is dressed in a simple, plain tunic, which is covered by a scarlet shawl and affixed with a simple brass brooch. She seems at once young and ancient, 
and her eyes are bright with youth and deepened with age and wisdom. I think that someone such as you living in a place such as this, you are not so simple, but I will not pry. It's my curiosity that has brought me to these fabled woods, something I'm sure you can understand with the volume of books you carry around. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Curiosity, yes. I like to learn all the stories, all the ancient tales. I love hearing everything, everything, even down to the slightest fairy tale, because you never know if you will find an actual fairy in the fairy tale. <laughs> well, if it's fairies you're after, good sir, you've come to the right woods. Really? Are there such some here? I have... Oh, have I seen a fairy? I don't... I think... Out of the corner of your eye, out of... I have always wanted to meet one. Well, I don't know if I would recommend it myself. They can be a wee bit mischievous. Oh, so I've heard, so I've heard. But to an old man like me, who would want to do such a thing? Perhaps after your wounds have finished healing. Ah, yes, yes, perhaps. I had almost forgotten. I had almost forgotten. Ah, but, but, but that would take so long. Oh, but my head does ache. I think, I think I will sit down for a little bit. Of course, of course. And as you sit down, the door to the hut kind of swings open, and you look up, and at first it looks like it just swung open on its own. And then you look a little bit further down and see that the door has been pushed open by a large white wolf. It is covered in scars, like lacing its face and muzzle. But by its gait and carriage, it seems limber and strong, despite the many fights it has doubtless seen. My oh my, you let this animal, it is, it is not dangerous, no? Oh, no, he's... He's with me. We've we've been together for many years. Ah, such a beautiful creature, but so marred. This poor thing, it has seen a hard life, yes. Ah, yes, he is. He has a warrior spirit. I must say, seeing the two of you together makes me question, makes me wonder more about you, lady. You are the most interesting person I have seen in quite some time, I think. Just a simple hermit, exploring, seeing the wonders of the world, and maybe, perhaps some of those wonders have rubbed off on me. I must ask, what is your studies? Surely you have a study. You can't be exploring just to explore everything. She kind of looks away for a little bit, kind of staring into the fire for a bit, and she's like, Balance, that's what I'm here to see. I've seen the balance of the natural woods and how they all keep each other in check and the ecosystems of the animals and the trees together, but now I've come to see it here in the Grungir forest where the complexity of balance is so much greater. Balance, you say. Balance. I, I understand. There is something about nature that is ancient, it has survived so long through so many civilizations. You see, I too like to see balance, but I like to see balance in my studies and to see what what came before. What what are we building upon? That is what I like to study. 
That is why I like to listen to all the fairy tales and to listen to all the old wives' tales. No matter how small, no matter if they're from the youngest children to the oldest person in the village. That's an admirable quest. Do you keep track of that which you learn in those books there? Yes, yes, yes. Always writing, always writing. So much ink, so much paper. But every piece is a treasure to me. That is why I said, oh, they didn't take anything important. As long as I have my books, I am happy. Do you mind if I look through them? Oh, please, please, please. Look through them, see. Perhaps you can learn more about your balance in the stories. I appreciate that. Thank you. And she kind of nods and pushes the almost forgotten stew a little bit closer to you. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. She goes off towards your bag and starts kind of leafing through the books. And she looks through a couple ones from like that you filled like a couple years back that you've just been carrying around. She kind of quickly puts those aside and eventually starts paying a lot more attention to the more recent books that you've been working on. Do you have any questions? And Oh, I might add, this is very delicious. What is this soup? It's made with local mushrooms. Oh, did you say mushrooms? Oh, I love mushrooms. Did, uh, do you think perhaps I could get the recipe? Perhaps. Perhaps it is a bit of a secret of my own, but you seem to be a connoisseur of such knowledge. I must say, throughout all my travels, as much as I love the stories and whatnot, the soups, the mushroom soups, it reminds me of home. It is something my family used to prepare all the time. You see, they were mostly rangers. Odd for me, since I am not a ranger, as you can tell, I'm sure. But they used to get all the most exotic things on their travels and going through their woods. And I would like to listen to them as they made mushroom soup. It is a small happiness to me. But, but, but I, I, I go on, I go on. What, what would you like to learn? What would you, in, in any of my books, any of the stories you've heard, and perhaps I can fill in what I have seen. She kind of smiles. As you were talking about the mushroom soup, she's stood up and taken off of a shelf a little ink bottle and quill, and she's like, well, maybe I can make my own addition to your studies, and she flips to the end of the book where it's like there's a few blank pages, and she begins writing in mushroom stew. Oh, you have made an old man happy. Oh, an old, still hurt man happy. But again, again, any anything that catches your eye, just ask me, just ask me. I will let you know. Of course, of course. And we'll kind of zoom out from like the time scale of that scene and do a bit of a montage over the ne- course of like the next week that you stay with Idis and her hut. And you have polite conversation kind of discuss what you've been studying what she's been studying and although it's a really nice time for the studies that you've progressed by the end of the week you are starting to get understandably you know anxious antsy ready to move on to the next thing is there anything particular you wanted to make sure you did because you know a couple days in you're fine you can get up and move around but itis insists you're not well enough to continue your travels yet but was there anything you wanted to do while you were still there I would actually 
in the course of me talking to her and whatnot, I would like to learn as much about the woods she has been living here. I would like to learn of anything that she's seen, the past, um, the the tales that she's heard, or or what she is possibly seeking. Um, maybe stories of her past, where she came from, if she's willing to tell. Um, and basically learn as much knowledge about the area as possible because it is most fascinating. So what you learn from your conversations over the course of this time, um, Idis refuses to give any personal details. Anytime you ask her like about her history or her background, she just kind of brushes it off as like, oh, that's not important. It's no big deal. She's clearly like not really willing to talk about it. Um, but when you ask about the forest, she will give you details and explanations. She confirms a lot of the more outrageous stories you've heard and pretty much anything that she like denies and is like, oh, that's not real was like the more believable stories that you'd come across. Um, it seems that the Grungir forest truly is a place where the material plane in the first world kind of begin to overlap and the veil between is very thin. Um, she mentions that there are places where the forest itself is alive, and she tries to keep away from those because they, they can be dangerous. Um, you asked about paths, and she just kind of gives a little laugh and is like, there are no paths in these woods. In fact, you know, even landmarks can sometimes point you in the wrong direction. That is very interesting. Very interesting. So... The way I can get back to the village, is is that open, or must I follow the stars, perhaps? And I would imagine that this conversation is happening, like, towards the end of the week. And she's like, well, once you're well enough to travel, probably by tomorrow, I can show you your way out to the edge of the forest. Once you've been here long as I have, you begin to see the telltale signs of when the forest begins to shift around you, and I'll be able to help you keep your course straight. But before you'd go, there's there's a favor I would ask of you. Of course, of course. You have helped me so much already. What do you need? Uh, there's there's someone I would like to go see, and I, I wouldn't like to go alone. I was wondering if you would accompany me on my visit. If you would like the company of this old man, I would be happy to be with you. She smiles and is like, that would make me quite happy. Uh, if you don't mind, we could leave first thing in the morning. I will be ready when you are. And that next morning, um, as early as you rise, Idis is already up, and she's got, like, a pack prepared with, like, whey bread and stuff like that, and one last bowl of mushroom stew for the road. So, would you tell me where we are going, perhaps? Or is it a secret? I can tell you. We are going deeper into the woods. Truly. For some other reason, that gets this old man very happy. I would like to see more of this wood, but... Yes, yes, I would like to see more of this wood. I will warn you, she says, as you step out of the hut and she's got her walking stick. This journey would not be safe for one such as you if you were not accompanied by me. The forest can be very unfriendly to outsiders. <laughs> I appreciate your worry, but this old man, he listens, but he is not as frail as you think. 
and you begin to set out through the woods and you immediately know or excuse me you immediately find that many of the things she's been mentioning about the woods are true it is completely trackless although she traverses it like someone who has lived here for years she'll like take a right turn and go down a hill and then up a hill where what it seemed like was just impassable thickets she seems to find the narrowest little trails of natural stuff through the trees and the bushes and um, as you travel you begin to grow an appreciation for how much time she must just spend out in the wilderness just to know it this well Um, At one point along your travel, you're walking and she just kind of stops and completely turns around and then walks to her right and then checks to make sure that you do the same. You know, lady, Idis, my friend, I have walked through many woods and I have learned from some of the best of how to keep track of your trail and to not get lost. But I am not ashamed to say that I would have been lost five minutes into walking into this wood. And your skill has certainly impressed this old man. Well, luckily we haven't had too many interfering persons so far. It's been a quite uneventful journey. (laughs) And then she pauses and begins taking off her shoes and turns her stockings inside out and looks at you like, kind of like, why aren't you doing the same thing? Is, is, is this kind of a ritual or, or, or is that my, or do I need to do the same? I, it would be wise, just for precaution's sake. I must say, you know how to pique an old man's curiosity as he gets down and starts doing the same. <laughs> would you make me an occultism check? To the listeners, to the listeners of the show, and our pre-play adventure that we did, just to kind of get the group working together, Sven was notorious for rolling really well on checks he had no business succeeding. So, what'd you get on this one, Sven? Nine total. <laughs> I rolled a three on the dice. You've heard some legends about, like, you know, you turn your clothes inside out, but you're not able to make any, like, heads or tails of why this situation would call for it. Usually the legends you're thinking of are like, it'll keep the devil from stealing your kids away at night or something. You're like, I don't have any kids here with me. (laughs) I must say, I have heard of this uh, technique before, but I have never seen that put into practice. Well... Hopefully we won't need it, but there are some forest dwellers that this might confound them long enough for us to make a bit of a distance between us and them. Forest dwellers. I cannot think of any that would... Ah, but I do not know this forest, I guess. Ah, there's so much to learn in this forest. It could fill a hundred of your books. Now come along. She's like finished putting her shoes on by this point. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I am ready. As you're moving deeper into the woods, it does seem to be getting darker as the canopy of the trees is growing tighter and the leaves are growing closer together. And there's, like, at the same time, like, 
a very ominous silence, sort of like a solemnity to the woods, but also a lot of like sounds of just like life and activity of birds and squirrels and a deer goes running by and you start getting like the sense that like you're an intruder, but like if, as long as you stay close to Itis, then that sense kind of abates a little bit. It seems that you have truly become one with this forest. I have never felt so much hostility for an outsider in in the woods. The woods do seem to have a mind of their own, and they're not too keen on those outside the woods. I I can tell. I can tell. There is, there is some darkness here, I think. Something has caused this. But time has long since moved on. And the reason long since buried with it. As you're musing on that thought and kind of mulling it over in your head, you eventually realize that the woods around you have gotten a lot quieter. A lot of the animal noises and such have stopped. And as you look ahead, Idis is just like, she's no longer focused on the path. She's just like looking ahead, like listening intently. Is there something uh, around? Would you make a perception check for me? I will try. Seventeen. Much better. Nice. Nice. So what you hear is... Hmm, how to describe this sound? A dull thud, but like a wet dull thud. And a muffled like groan, followed by another dull wet thud, and the groaning stops. And it's a little ways ahead in the trees. I do not like the sound of that. Idis, like, purses her lips and shakes her head a little bit, and she's like, that's not part of the forest. Be on your guard, Master Dwarf. The white wolf kind of walks up next to you, because he's been accompanying you this whole time. He walks up next to you, and his fur is all bristling, and he's, like, you know, watching intently ahead. this point Uver is actually going to kind of unhook his hands from the pack like he's just traveling and supporting the weight and slowly lower them in readiness I'm going to describe what you see in the woods ahead of you stepping around a tree and into your line of sight you see a tall armored figure. He's wearing pure black plate mail, except for the small accents and edges on the plates that are with like scarlet blood red. Um, he's got a bucket helmet that entirely obscures his face with a visage of a devil, and his hand is gripping a still dripping mace. As this figure steps around the corner of the tree, he looks directly at you and is like, you! And I would like you to roll for initiative. Oh, 
dear. The roll again. <laughs> oh. I rolled another 12 on the die, which makes for a 17. All right. All right, so I'm going to move our map a little bit so we can see. That's you. There's the wolf. There's Idis. And there's this figure that has just stepped around the trees. And it's this figure's turn. So you rolled perception for your initiative, right? That is correct. Okay, so with that perception check, you can tell as he's staggering towards you that where there would be like the sabatons for his armor that would cover his feet, there's just like stumps instead. As he kind of shuffles across the forest floor to here, and he's just like, this is all your fault. Have we met before? I do not think so. I think I would remember you. You've forgotten me. Uh, unintentionally? Uh, it has been a long few weeks. I, I don't under... Ed, you don't seem to be listening. This is rather unreasonable. That is the end of his turn. It is now your turn. I do not think we can uh, perhaps negotiate and talk this out. He does seem to be moving towards you and brandishing his mace. Then, uh, please ex accept this forgiveness of me forgetting who you are. As I use the spell Reach and cast Shocking Grasp. Alright. And is that a spell attack roll, or do I make a save? That is a spell attack roll. Okay. And he is wearing metal armor, correct? He is. Okay. So I shroud my hands in crackling field of lightning. On a hit, the target takes 2d12 electrical damage. If the target is wearing metal armor, or is made of metal, I gain a plus one circumstance bonus to my attack roll. The target also takes 1d4 persistent electrical damage on a hit. All right. So I will roll. Hopefully well. That is well. That is a... 25. That is a hit. Go ahead and roll your damage. Nine total damage, uh, and one d4. Uh, the persistent, does that take place now or later? That happens at uh, the end of his turns. Okay. All right. So you did reach and then a two-action spell. That is correct, and that is my turn. All right. Idis is going to be like, 
You keep him distracted. I'll make a way out. And she begins running over towards the river that's on the other side of this field you're fighting on. So let's see. It's five. And as she reaches the river, she rummages in her pack and pulls out a seed and then kneels down and starts like planting it by the side of the river. And that is her turn. The wolf steps in between you and the armored figure and begins growling and snaps at the figure. It actually hits. (laughs) That's worrisome. And deals four damage. Oh, excellent, excellent, wonderful, wonderful. I'm impressed with this wolf. I knew I liked you. I knew I liked you. I never doubted you for a second. All right, the figure, this knight in horrible armor, would you make me a perception check? I shall. Or, sorry, no, this would be a society check. Oh, I prefer perception. (laughs) Would a 19. Mm -hmm. So you know a couple things as you've been looking at this figure as it strode towards you. The first thing you know is this is a Hell Knight. And the second thing you know is his armor is really outdated. Like, you haven't seen this style of armor in the last, like, hundred years. Interesting. The last thing, which is why I was originally asking for a perception check until I realized you would just see this. His armor is very rusty and moss-covered and just beat up. This is not a simple figure, it seems. Aedis, it wouldn't be too late to say, is this the one that uh, gave me my wound? Aedis is like, no, I don't know what this is. As this figure strides up to the wolf and then like swings his mace down to try to like, you know, golf club bat it out out of the way of his walking. So... He swings this mace down and it's like about to collide with the wolf's face and the wolf just like twists down. The mace just like swings off and just like throws him off kilter and he like staggers on his feet for a little bit because he got a natural one on the die. (laughs) But he's able to like eventually recover and like turn that momentum of the mace around and then bring it down directly on the wolf's head. And he does hit with his second attack. And he also deals, well, he deals six damage. Uh, The wolf is not looking okay. But with his final action, he's like, this wolf is too nimble, too agile. I've overestimated it. But his real target is you. So he's going to step up to you so that he's in range to attack you on his next turn. And it is now your turn. Oh, he also takes persistent damage. He takes three, and it does not end. All right, Uver, it is your turn. This is not going well, my little fairy friend. I will try something. I am going to cast 
agitate. And agitate sends my target mind and body into overdrive, forcing it to become restless and hyperactive. During the duration, the target must stride, fly, or swim at least once each turn or take 2d8 mental damage that turn. And it needs to make a will saving throw. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, 17. He fails. Okay. This will last two rounds. And Uver is actually going to step behind the wolf saying, I am sorry, hold out a little longer, my little friend. Gotcha. All right. It's Idis's turn, and the seed that she has planted is beginning to sprout Jack and the Beanstalk style into like this twisting green bridge that begins arcing over the river. And at the base of the sprout, you can see like bark, like ridiculously quickly growing on the bridge. You think that possibly in a few seconds, it might be strong enough for you to cross the river. It is now the wolf's turn. The wolf will attempt to bite this armored figure. And it fails. And attempts again. And with its second bite, it like chomps at the leg of this creature as it's beginning to walk with like this magical agitation just misses entirely as it goes on to this armored figure's turn as he steps around the wolf and brings his mace down on Uver. With a 20 to hit. That's a hit. Regular hit. Seven damage. And then I'm going to need you to make a will save. Oh dear. That is a nine. A nine? A nine. So as he steps up next to you, you can kind of hear him like mumbling under his breath. And you immediately recognize them using your same society role from earlier. You recognize them as like mantras and like uh, mottos and such from the Hell Knights order. But like they're all messed up and really wrong, like fragments out of place and stuff like that. But like the conviction that he's saying these just like really wrong things with is just unsettling. And you become frightened one as he's just like standing like right in your face, just like mumbling like nonsense can you make me a perception check now that is a seven yeah yes now, there's something that's off about this guy <laughs> something off about this guy but you can't put your finger on what How's Uver looking right now? 
Uver is reopened his old wounds. He is not quite half damaged. He's not quite bloodied, but he's close. Not quite half bloodied. Red scratched. Close. It's red scratched. This knight has one action left, and he's going to bring his mace back down with that same like arcing blow you saw him use on the wolf. And with a second attack, he misses. It just kind of swings down. Uver kind of leans back, and the mace just like whistles past him. And with that, it is your turn. I think it is time to make a hasty retreat, my little furry friend. And I'm going to cast Warp Step. When I walk, the earth warps between my feet. My steps extend, distance contracts, and everything is just a little bit closer. I gain a plus five foot status bonus to my speed until the end of my turn. And I can stride twice. So, with my two act, or striding twice, I am going to move 50 feet towards... Itis? Itis. Yeah, so with that much movement speed, as the ground is just, like, compressing and contracting under your feet, you're able to, like, walk right up next to her as she's still continuing to, like... Um, crouch over and kind of like guide this plant as it's growing out of the ground. By this point, it's already like a couple feet across. The base of it is like a sturdy oak and just the tip of it is beginning to like touch the other side of the river. Is there any way you can make this go a little bit faster? I'm hurrying it as fast as I can. Have you ever seen a tree grow any faster than this? No, but I do wish I did. It's the wolf's turn. It's just going to back up and then just stand a little bit away from you. Still like hair, you know, fur bristling up and hackles up growling. On Itis's turn, the bridge is complete and she begins walking across, gets on the other side and then just looks back and gestures like, come on, come on. It is now the knight's turn. And it begins shambling across the forest floor towards you. Its steps seem like painful and agonized as it's shambling just like on the stumps of its legs towards you. It's like, you would leave me again? I think I would. I think that is a very fine idea. You seem like a nice fellow with all your mace and blood and weird speaky things, but uh, my house cannot take your presence. (laughs) And it is now your turn. I am once again going to cast Warp Step and fly across the woods, <laughs> or, or the bridge. All right. So you compress space and time as you run across the branches of this newly formed tree. The wolf follows you across, and the instant the wolf's paws touch the solid ground on the other side of the river, Idis just, like, reaches out towards the tree like she's, like, grabbing something and pulls it towards herself, and the tree withers as you watch and just like ages and becomes an old rotten tree down to like a withered stump of a tree. And then it just collapses into the river. And as just like a log of driftwood just begins floating on down the river. And the knight walks up to the edge of the river, just like facing across from you and is like, I will find you there. I will find you again. I do hope that is not true, but for both our sakes, 
You seem troubled, and I am sorry. And he doesn't answer. He just stands on the other side of the river, just watching you. As Idis puts her hand on your shoulder and is like, we need to go. Follow me. Yes, yes. Uh, Excuse me, yes. We must go. We must, yes. Oh, my head. (laughs) You just got feeling better. (laughs) You just got feeling better. I know. (laughs) As you begin walking away from the river, I imagine you might, like, take a glance over your shoulder as you're getting further away. And you continue just to see this armored figure just standing by the side of the river. Not even, like, pacing, like, you know, like a a tiger hunting you or something. Just standing and watching. She was different. I know of... I know of them, at least his order. He... That was a hell knight, I believe. But... So different was so different. What happened? Do do you know? I don't know what part he played in the world outside, but now here in the woods we call them wanderers. Wanderers? Those what have come into the woods seeking something or seeking a path through, but all they found is a never-ending path that leaves them astray forever. And he knows me or is that something that they always say no he did seem to know you I I don't know how but I have no memory of him but I have also no memory of 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 coming to your place I my memory is gone I do not I do not know I do not know Do you often have these gaps in your memory? Ah, I am an old man. There are gaps in my memory only because when you live as long as I do, there are some things that just slip and you cannot help it. But no, no, nothing like this. Nothing like this. I am... I have no memory of... of how I got here. Of... I was... I was in the library. The last thing I remember before I woke up in your house, I was in the library. I was reading, I was reading one of their old books that was, was telling some of the, some of the lore of how their people came to that place, how they, how the founding of the town happened. Yes, that's, that's what I was reading. But, but that is, that is it. I do not, I do not remember even walking outside the building. I I do not remember uh, getting on the pass, I do not remember being attacked. I remember waking up and seeing, seeing your your hovel and and meeting you. I I do not I do not know I don't even know how far I am from where I remember. Do you remember what town it is that you are studying in? Uh, uh Jordan or or something something. Jo? Joel, yes, Joel, Joel, yes. That, that is the town. That's a ways away from here. It'd be a few days' journey on foot. Then it is most unusual, most unusual. Or on the the far western side of the Grungir Forest. So I would have have to have traveled the full length of the forest to get to here. Is that what you're saying? It does seem that way. 
Do you have any clues about what might have brought you into this area? I... I have my I have my books. I have my pack. Is uh, I do not I have. You write down everything you learn in your books, don't you? Maybe there's a maybe there's a clue in there. Yes, yes, I I I do I have. Uh, oh, which book was I working on? Which book was I working on? I think we're safe enough distance away from that wanderer. We could take a rest and get a breather. And she kind of like sits down on some mossy stones as you pull your pack off and start going through looking for your books. And you come across the most recent book that you'd been working on. And you flip to the end. And of course, at the very end, you find a recipe for mushroom stew in a hand you don't recognize. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but previously to that, you find your notes of your arrival in Joel and like the first couple nights of study. Make a perception check for me. Come on, dice. Don't fail me now. That's a 12. You find the pages after that have been removed. But how and when, you don't know. This is... Fire is gone. I can tell that I do not understand. There has to be a reason, but why... I was attacked. Where where was I attacked? Where did you find me? I found you outside my hut. Outside your hut? Was I... Was I dragged? Was I... I don't know. I just... I found you collapsed, and your... Your belongings, such as were left, were just scattered around. Why would somebody leave all of my stuff but remove those pages? Why would they leave me outside your doorstep? Does anyone else know that you are here? Not that I'm aware of. I try to keep to myself. And your your friend, your your little furry friend. I am sorry, I do not remember his name. Does he, does he have a name? I call him Amarok, but I hadn't I hadn't told you his name yet. Ah, yes, yes, yes. My apologies, Amarok. Brave, brave Amarok. Did he uh, give any indication? The uh, animals I know are more sensitive sometimes. He sort of sniffed around the area, but he didn't find anything that seemed to interest him. Did someone brought me to the forest, or I came to the forest myself. And then I was attacked due to my wounds. And somehow I ended up outside your doorstep. I do not know what this means. Do you think you might have made some enemies with what you are studying in Joel? I do not know how studying how a town came to be would cause enemies, but I am sure that no, I do not know. I do not I do not try to make enemies. I I, I am a learner. Though that does not mean I cannot but 
it seems either by either by chance or by luck or by fate I have met you and I am glad I am glad I met you you seem to be a friend but it is most peculiar most peculiar indeed I do not understand but there are many things in this life I do not understand the only way to understand is to learn more so I have rambled enough we were going to your friend and it does not seem thankfully that that armored fellow is following us it does seem like that river was somehow a barrier to him of that we can be grateful but I, I must ask, I must ask, and this is just to... Is there any way you could bandage my head again? Oh, of course. <laughs> and she takes her pack off and kind of sees to your wounds and mechanically treats your wounds, and you are healed. Hooray. As she's working, you kind of... It's, it's kind of quiet as she's focusing and stuff, and you realize that the normal forest sounds are back now, the ones that kind of fell off as you were approaching that night. Um, the sense of like foreboding unwelcome has kind of dissipated a little bit, but there's instead just like a feeling of strong, like watchfulness and of like presence. Like the woods don't feel like a space that's full of many things. It feels like the woods themselves have a life force to them here. I have never walked into woods such as this. And I am a great lover of nature. I have traveled through many lands. I am curious. There is something ancient here. There is some presence. There is something that I cannot describe. I wonder. Mm, I do not know. I do not know what to wonder. It might even be the influence of the first world, she says, as she's tying off a bandage. This place, this forest, is so close to the first world, where the gods tried their hand at creating material reality the first time around, and that world is so much older than our world. There may be some sort of an effect of sort of just the sense of the ancientness of it all that rubs off on these woods. Indeed, indeed. I think you have exactly described it. There is a whiff of sorts. There is a, a sense of, of something so old it is unfathomable. It almost affects everything around me. I can, I can feel it almost on my skin as he rubs his forearm a little bit. But, but that could also mean I am an old man who is getting all these different feelings well not quite sold yet she says as she kind of pats you on the back and is like well there's only a, f a wee bit left to go before we make it to our destination ah yes yes I am quite curious to meet this person this this friend of yours yes uh, we call him the oldest one so please when we do speak with him be on your best behavior she says with like a smirk Ah, when have I never been on my best behavior? <laughs> As you continue walking through the forest, it gets darker again, but not so much in like a, a threatening, brooding sense, more of just like 
the dark of coziness, maybe. You know, you know that sense of like the closeness of darkness that just feels secluded and safe. That's kind of that feeling as you get into deeper into the trees and they just seem to be older and more moss covered. There's blankets of old leaves bedding the ground that you kind of have to almost wade through as you're walking in deeper. And as you continue, you come across a glade of just like a clearing in the woods and in the shafts of late afternoon sunlight slipping in through the leaves, you see in the clearing ahead of you is a stag, but it's not like any stag you've ever seen before. It's easily seven feet tall at the shoulders. Its antlers are covered with moss and all across his back are just like broken bits of like arrows and various weapons from a thousand failed hunts. What a beautiful creature. Idis immediately like elbows you and dips her head in greeting. Oh, is oh, my apologies. As as he bows as well. The stag dips its own head, and then a rumbling voice in perfect scald says, Greetings, grandmother. I have been expecting your visit. Did, did he say grandmother? Idis, like, ignoring you is like, Hello, oldest one. I have come seeking your wisdom. The stag just nods and is like, speak. This traveler came to me in the woods. He knows not why or how he came here. Knows not what he seeks. I would ask you to impart upon him your understanding. (laughs) The oldest one, the stag, looks at you, kind of looks you up and down, is like, Young dwarf, you are so old, and yet your story has not even begun. He tilts his head to the side a little bit, like he's studying you, and then says, To the south of here, in the mountains, near the city of Joel, you will find a town named Tomgruv. There are those there who would begin a journey, and they will need your help. Tomgruv. Yes. Uh, I think, I think I know of the town that you speak, Tomgrove. But, but perhaps, and forgive me, forgive me, but do you know how I came here? I, I, I was at Joel, I was, I was reading, and then, then suddenly I was here. Do, do you know what happened? The stag slowly shakes its head side to side and is like, The past is not as clear to me as the future. I'm afraid I have no answers for you. Oh, most unfortunate, most unfortunate, but... But there's, there is there is no sense in, in, in dwelling in the past, I suppose, yes. The past is important, but not not all of the past is important. No, no, no. I can move on. I can I cannot understand. It is it is fine. It is fine. Perhaps for now. Anyway, you see that my my journey has not be- begun. That 
is there is there more I am you call me young but you also say I'm old <laughs> and old I do feel yes yes in my bones I feel it I know I am old old for a dwarf but young for one such as I I have seen the trees around us grow from saplings to towering oaks and die, and their acorns grow into the towering oaks once more. Well, that would be older than me, yes, it would, yes. I cannot imagine what you have seen. It must... You must have so many stories, so many stories, yes. <laughs> yes, perhaps one day when your own story is complete. You might return and we could share stories. And I will bring mini books to write them down. I think I would enjoy that, yes. I would like to talk with you more, eldest one. But... But you are right. I... It is not time now. No. It is... I do not have a clear understanding of this place. And I do not think I am meant to stay, no. No, not now, not at this stage of your story. It would not be safe for you here in these woods. I mean, if that that very odd hell knight is anything to... Why did he know me? No, 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 no. I, 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 I will find out later. You will be here if I come back, yes? And, and Idris too? I have been here for a thousand, thousand years. I expect I shall still be here after one dwarvish lifetime. <laughs> a silly, a silly of me. Of course, of course, you will be here. Then I will make it a point to come and talk with you again. Perhaps when I am... Oh, it sounds weird to say, but older still. Perhaps wiser. I will look forward to our meeting, Vatia Chosen. And the stag dips its head and turns and begins to walk away. Vatia. Do, do I know it? Chosen? Me? No. No, I'm not chosen. Wait. Is he still there? He's walking away at this point. No, 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 I... Perhaps... Perhaps it is best not to ask. Perhaps, but... But I will come back. I... I can come back and ask all the questions I need. Perhaps... No, no. It is not time yet. It is not time yet. I... I can wait on these questions. Why did he call you grandmother? Idis just like quickly looks away and is like, we should get moving. Tomgrove is a long journey from here, even longer than Joel. I see that you are going to keep your secrets, and I will not pry like I said I would not. But I am glad to have met a friend. I am glad to have met somebody who has stories and perhaps can answer some questions later on. And I have many questions. And of course, there will be time for answers in the future. Yes, yes, the future, the future. Dwell not too much on the past. That is what I have learned. 
There is much in the past that must be dwelt, that must be learned, that must be found. But, but it is also good to dwell on the future, or not dwell on the future, but live on the future. Yes, that is what I have learned. That is what I have learned. Yes. Anyway, let us go. And you and Ida's turn and begin walking out of the forest, and it takes you a surprisingly short amount of time to reach the edge of the forest. Um, short enough that you're almost suspicious that the forest was like spitting you out and letting you go a lot easier than it let you get in. Um, and as you head out of the tree line of the forest and out into the open plains outside again, it's already like chilly in this like late February weather that you're having and the sun is beginning to set and Idis is like, we should make a fire for the night. Yes. Yes, I... We should make a fire. Will you be traveling with me the whole way? Perhaps a ways. Not the whole way, but perhaps some. Uh, for the wood for the fire, make sure to collect only that which has fallen naturally. Ah, I see. I see. Yes, that... That would probably be very wise. I will... I will do so, yes. A few minutes later, you've got your camp set up and a roaring fire going. I imagine at this point, as you're kind of resting, Uver's probably pulled out a book and he's writing down the day's events. Every word. <laughs> and Idis is kind of watching as you're working, just kind of quietly watching. And she's like, you're writing down your story. Yes, I am writing down my story. That is a good way of putting it. That way, those that come after me be able to learn and to understand that there are many things in this world, that there are always something to learn, even if you live as long as I do. That is my gift to the future, that I can provide understanding to questions that nobody thinks to ask. That is what I do. I just want to make sure in all of this, you remember that your story is your own to tell. It's not what anyone tells you your story is about. It's it's up to you. What you do with it, it's your choice. Easy is my choice. Sometimes I wonder. There are things about me that... Some things were not my choice, and they are not bad. That is, I guess, is what led me on this whole, whole journey. Some things are... Some things are chosen, and some things are... are given to you. Are birthed to you. And I want to understand these things. And perhaps when I understand these things, other people will understand these things. And I think that's a noble cause. But don't let anyone tell you that your story has to be a certain way, or that your destiny is something, or some such rot like that. It's your story, Uver, and make it a tale you'd like to, to share. Thank you, my friend. 
Thank you, I will remember that. And when I write my story, it will be my story. She just kind of nods and looks off, kind of stargazing for a bit. And of course you will be on my story too, my friend. You and your brave furry friend. Amarok the White Wolf yawns and slaps his tail on the ground a few times. We'd best get some sleep. There's a lot of walking in the morning. Yes, yes, yes. One more paragraph. One more paragraph. I am almost finished. And one more paragraph and one more paragraph and one more paragraph later. Idis is already lying down, lying down, laid down for the night. And you are left. You're the last one awake. Amarok kind of like looks sleepily at you a couple times. But by this point, the two of them have both fallen asleep. My story. I have a story, but I have yet to find out what it is, in all honesty, my friend. But I am glad to have been a part of this little bit. When you wake up in the morning, your camp is made as if it was just your camp. And there seems to be no signs of Idis or Amarok anywhere. I guess I should have expected this. And I did not even ask how to fight her again. But, but I found her once. I found her once and I am sure I will see her again. I have many questions and perhaps... Perhaps she and I can have a good conversation then over a good bowl of mushroom soup. But I am talking to myself and I have a long journey. I must go see what this party is and what adventure must come. Perhaps I will learn some more. And the last shot we see as the camera pulls back from Uver striking the camp and getting ready to travel, the camera like slowly dips down so that we like see more of the horizon with Uver, and in the background is just a peak of the mountains near Tomgrove in the distance where Uver will be traveling to. This has been an Atomic Broadcasting production. Pathfinder, Galarian, and the Lost Omens world setting are copyright of Paizo. More information at paizo.com. Music in the show is from Monument Studios Collection, as well as assorted artists with some original tracks composed by Jordy Hake. More details in the description. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to share with a friend, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next time.